Hey, it's your girl, DJ A. Our next hero was such a rebel. His parents had him committed to an asylum three times. By 16, he was drinking, staying out all night, getting into fights, and failing out of school. Talking crazy things like being a writer. His parents had other plans for their son's future. It's time to stop all this writing talk, they said. Get an engineering degree, they said. Anguished, he did everything he could to push back against the box he felt like society was putting him in. Aggressive, irritable, hostile. His parents, no doubt, at the end of their rope, had him committed to a hospital for the mentally disturbed. For 20 days, he was medicated, electroshocked, and the experience exacerbated the very symptoms they were trying to treat. And so, he rebelled more. And he wrote. After two successful escapes and a few more drunken binges, he found jobs with the local theater group. Until he finally started working as a journalist full-time. His parents promised they'd never commit him again, And so he moved back home. But still, his parents, not very happy about his career choices. So he rebelled some more. They fought more than they had civil conversations because, let's face it, life with a hormonal teenager is not a very good time. And finally, in a fit of exasperation, they committed him again. This time, for 30 days, our hero endured what must have been a new and fresher hell, but his spirit still persisted. He escaped for the final time, turning his back on the life he'd known and driving into the great unknown, feeling lost, desperate. On a quest for something greater, he turned to a different doctor, and this time, This doctor laughed out loud and said, You're not insane. You just need to realize life is yours for the taking. Now it's up to you to take it. And for the first time, our writer realizes that if he denies himself his art, it has the power to destroy him. So after some radical run-ins with the law, he fell into songwriting and he composed more than 65 songs with anthems of revolution and even went on to distribute a magazine about expanding spiritual consciousness through imagination and art. He sounds like my kind of guy. He continued to disrupt the status quo all the way along and was arrested for political unrest. He spent two days in prison and later recounted it as one of the worst experiences of his life. But even then, the worst was still to come. Upon release from prison, he was kidnapped by armed guards and taken to a military torture center. He thought for sure he was going to die. But after a few days and a little smart wit, he managed to sweet-talk his way out of an incredibly dire situation with the help of one very empathetic guard. Our hero called on his experiences in the asylum. He leaned way, 
way deep into those old insanity diagnoses and confessed all the things he'd done to himself, true or false, at the asylum, even going so far as to cut his own hand, allowing the blood to pool at his feet in his cell. And this convinced the guard that this dude was certifiably bonkers. And so a few days later, they released him. At the end of his rope, at the ripe age of 26, he's still writing songs and he's burying his pain and he's finding love. And soon he's married and finds himself on honeymoon in Germany. And while at a concentration camp of all places, he's visited by a stranger. The man promises that they will meet later and they will talk. And that's it. And real or imaginary, this moment is so profound for our hero. He tells his wife all about it and is rattled to the core. But with time, they move on to a few more cities and he soon forgets the interaction. He forgets until two months later when he's in a cafe in Amsterdam. This is a true story, totally a true story. He sees the man from Germany in a cafe in Amsterdam and he speaks to him. This time, just as promised, they have a long conversation. And this conversation results in our rebellious writer's return to the mysticism and magic that permeated his youth. He returned to the Catholic Church. Over the course of many conversations with this stranger, this stranger that would soon become a lifelong guide and sort of mysterious mentor for our writer. This man tells our writer that to find himself, he will need to make a pilgrimage, and not just any pilgrimage, one of the longest in the world, the Santiago de Compostela, 500 miles across the mountains of northern Spain, all on a journey of self-discovery. And this time, instead of fighting that little voice down deep, or that stranger's voice in the Holland Cafe, our writer trusted his voice, and it made all the difference. To this day, he still recounts those months of the pilgrimage as the journey that put him on the path to his dreams, and he believes that he never had the courage before then to be the writer he dreamed of being. A story of persistence, a story of faith, a story of spirit. So after one year of finishing his epic journey, he publishes his first book. And it's about his time in Spain. And then he goes on to publish another book a few years later. And this second book took him only two short weeks to write because he says that it was already written in his soul an allegory laced with magic and meaning. And with that, he found his true voice. It took an epic rite of passage, an adventurous blend of enchantment and insight to realize that simplicity rules, both on the trail and in life. Live in the moment, pack light, 
and learn from the people around you. Julia Roberts, Madonna, Bill Clinton, Will Smith, Giselle, Pharrell, they all count this their favorite book. Like a spiritual roadmap, it's an adventure all day long, and if you look closely, there's pure magic woven in its pages. Our writer famously said he walked miles to discover things he already knew. Things that we all know, but things that are too difficult to accept. And while the writing may have been fast, success came slowly. After writing it, he struggled to gain a small publisher and only achieved moderate success. And with themes like God and fate and destiny, it was admittedly a tough sell. So a year after its initial publication, he'd only sold 900 copies, and his publisher threatened to drop his contract. So with the faith of his words behind him, he committed to knocking on more doors. And when he knocked on the first door of one of the largest publishing houses in Brazil and explained that his book wasn't selling very well right now, but that he had all the faith that someday it would, the publisher agreed to publish it, just like that. And soon, the tides shifted. Sales less a trickle and more a tidal wave, until slowly and surely, two years after its first publication, his little book about the shepherd boy who followed his dreams had sold half a million copies. Word of mouth caught on then, and five years later, that inspiring little book was translated into English. And the rest, you could say, is literary history. And when the writer asked his publisher why he agreed to publish a book that was already published and already not selling, his publisher shrugged and stated that he didn't know why, only that it felt right. But the writer knew. He knew. Because the answer already lay in that sage book he'd written. When you want something, positive or negative, the whole universe conspires to help you achieve it. Our rebel writer still holds the record for most translated books by a living author. He's in more than 80 languages. He went on to sell more than 65 million copies worldwide and broke records on the New York Times bestseller list, hanging out for an astounding 315 weeks. 165 pages. A magical solution to all of our problems. The answer inside each of us. A modern guidebook to remind us that when we commit to things without our full enthusiasm, we're betraying our personal destiny, our purpose, and fate itself. Beautiful in its straightforward simplicity, cultivated with short words, simple phrases, and brief chapters, all of these things require the reader to fill in the blanks with the details of their own lives. He's inspired millions to walk the Santiago de Compostela pilgrimage, and he still writes to this day. Many of his titles 
dealing with central themes of finding your soul's journey and embracing your God-given gifts and using those talents to make magic in your own life. He received and turned down movie deals for his most famous work when he felt the screenplays didn't accurately convey the sense of spirit and mysticism of his story. Rebellious to the core, our writer is. He suffered rejection, negativity, and haters every step of the way, but he's found a way to transcend and embrace his own voice, indifferent to the controversy. He was the first Western author invited to Iran post-Islamic Revolution, and he's sold millions of copies and is idolized, and he's filled stadiums, spoken to millions in lecture halls in some of the most isolated and fundamentalist corners of the world, all about the theme of love, spiritual connection, and human togetherness, an alchemist of the heart, bridging gaps with his art. He said, A book is a dart that can travel. It can travel very far away. It can reach millions of hearts. And, I am a man fighting for my dreams. My first dream was to become a writer, and of course, in the process of becoming a writer, I had a lot of scars in my soul, and in the moments that I was hit, I felt the pain. I felt defeated. I felt that I was not being understood. But I had these two qualities. I am not a coward, and I can persevere. He also said something that resonates with me so deeply, and it sums up the mystical quality to his writing that makes my little heart swoon so much. To my great surprise, my soul arrived here before I did. My books were here, and I was able to meet people as if they were long-lost friends. I have never felt like I was a stranger in a strange land. Life has taught me that dialogue is possible with every human on Earth. A world far beyond his greatest imagination yawned open to him because he didn't stop knocking on every door in Rio. He didn't take no for an answer. He believed in the divine fire that flamed inside his gut, the fire that no one else saw, and many, many tried to extinguish. If Paulo Coelho hadn't have believed with every fiber that his book could touch the lives of those that read it, we wouldn't have The Alchemist a book that inspired countless visionaries, artists, rebels and saints, and even landed him on an interview couch with Oprah a few times, people, a few times. His art even influenced my own new release, Rebel Saint, and my current work in progress, Land of the Setting Sun. Paolo Coelho, an alchemist who uses words to draw our very hearts to the surface, giving us a gift so that we may know ourselves better. The protagonist, and at times the antagonist in his own life, he listened to his gut, followed his voice, and never stopped banging on doors. He said this about his writing process. 
Everything I write in my books is something from the very depths of my being, something that I cannot even see, something I discover when I'm writing. That is my truth. My work reflects my soul. Paulo Coelho, rebel, saint, writer, an alchemist of his own making. As always, thanks for listening to the Rebels and Saints podcast, guys. If you enjoyed your time with me today, do me the greatest honor and hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you want to learn more, head over to my website, adrianlee.com. There you can get linked to my audiobooks, read my latest release on Amazon, or sign up for my newsletter and get a free ebook as a thanks from me. Lots of good things. Lots of good things happening over there. And I want to hear from you. Leave me a comment, a review, and let me know what you liked about this episode. Or maybe there's someone, an artist, or some inspiring soul you want to dig a little deeper into. Let me know.